The opinions expressed on the Rob Report are the opinions of the host, participating callers, and or listener emails, text, and or letters, and are not necessarily the opinions of WDAY or Forum Communications. Afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's Rob Port 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. We uh, and, and actually, before we even get started here, we should introduce a uh, a new addition to the show. Marlon is uh, taking over producing duties from uh, Eric. Marlon, how you doing? Good, Rob. How are you? Uh, not doing too bad. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, not a lot to say. Uh, old. Old radio guy from way back when, um, thirty three, live in Fargo. Um, little stand up comedy here and there, and uh, yeah. not just excited to be here. Yeah, all right, well that's cool. Stand up comedy thing is uh, cool. I I've been uh, I've, I'm just fascinated by that sort of performance. Uh, I I don't know that I I'm very used to getting up and just talking about politics, and sometimes I guess I'll say funny things along the way, but it. Uh, Getting up and doing an act like that, I think, would be very difficult for me. It probably doesn't hurt help that I'm I'm not funny. So, oh, I agree. Yeah, you agree that I'm not funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, Marlon. I'm getting off to a great start. We seven zero one two nine three nine thousand. We want to join the program eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com. Coming up at one o'clock, Bob Weefold. He is the uh, uh, he's going to be the, um, I guess, the spokesperson for North Dakotans against the legalization of, of marijuana. Uh, he'll be on at 1 o'clock to make uh, his organization's case against Measure 3, uh, the North Dakota Chamber of Commerce. And I, I I guess we could ask him. I think there's some other groups involved in that as well, I think. Anyway, we'll ask him that at 1 o'clock. Also coming up at 1.30, Congressman Kevin Kramer is going to be on for his regular uh, open phone segment. Normally we do it on Wednesdays this week, and it sounds like next week as well. Um it's on Thursday, but you can call in. Uh, you can ask him whatever you want. It's open phones. We don't screen. You call in at uh, 1.30. If you want to start emailing your questions now, you certainly can. Talk at WDAY.com. I've got a, a thread on my Facebook page as well. If you want to check that out, uh, you can post your questions there. Uh, or you can tweet me as well, at Rob Port. Uh, we got all of that going on. Now, yesterday, I had a, I actually had a very late night, um, Marlon. After the show, I ended up traveling down to Bismarck. Uh, I was invited to speak at the Marauders on Politics uh, meeting at the University of Mary. How'd that go? It went really well. I was I was really gratified with it. It was a lot of fun. I was glad they invited me. Um, it was uh, I was surprised at the number of people when they told me I was coming there to talk to their po- politics group. I was expecting you know maybe a couple dozen kids at best. You know I I kind of thought that would be a good yeah. Size. That that sounds like a good guess. Uh, there was about two hundred and fifty kids there. It was a it was a it was a big audience. I, I kind of wasn't expecting that. The uh, topic was the uh, the abortion issue, uh, and they had a woman from Democrats for Life, a pro-life Democrat there, uh, and then they had me there, um, and I was probably the most socially liberal person in that room. I will tell you that right now. Really? Well, yeah. I guess I'm considering the, the venue now, and that makes sense. Yeah, it's a Catholic school, a bunch of Catholic kids. And also, I'm libertarian, so mostly I just want people to, to choose for themselves. It was a great discussion, though. We went on, um, and it's – what I really loved about it is is so much – so much of politics today, it's it's frustrating because I think people struggle 
with um, disagreement. Uh, I, I think people don't like to be challenged anymore. They, I, I, they don't see the fun or the utility uh, of, of just having a conversation with somebody with which you disagree. I, I, I feel like that's sort of a lost thing right now. I enjoy it. I, I love talking to all sorts of people. I like talking with people uh, particularly who disagree with me. I like having the debate. I don't take it personal. I'm, a, I'm as passionate about what I believe in as anybody else. You know, but at the end of the day, I think you just accept you're probably not going to change somebody else's mind, but maybe you can help them understand you a little better and you can understand them a little better. And, and that's to the good. Uh, last night, it was great. Uh, the, the event itself, we were up on stage for probably a little over an hour. Uh, we took questions from the audience. Afterwards, I stood there for an hour and a half with probably 20, 30 kids. Um, you know, someone coming up, they, they read the blog or read my print columns or, or listen to the show, listen to the podcast. Um, you know, 20 or 30 have come up just to that, um, met a bunch of new people who just, you know, being introduced to me for the first time. Uh, and we just sat there and just rapped, man, for like a, like an hour and a half. Just they were asking me questions. I was asking them questions. We went around a conversation. It was it was wonderful. It was really, really great. You know, and these these kids, I mean, they were smart. They were engaged. They were on it. We, we spend a lot of time, I think, sometimes denigrating, you know, the kids. You know, like, oh, they're not informed, they don't care, they're apathetic or whatever. I don't know. In that room, there was a lot of smart, engaged kids just looking for some honest inquiry, you know, just just some honest debate. I think that's becoming more and more the case. I think, uh, like, it doesn't surprise me really that there were 250 kids at a a political discussion. I think that's going to be more and more the case. Yeah, yeah, there's an an involvement there that's great. And I, I think that is probably, we talk a lot of times about the negative sides of social media. And maybe what it does to some of our discourse. I mean, anybody who's seen a flame war going on on in a Facebook thread, uh, I seem to play host to them all the time. But it, I mean, anybody who's seen that, just it's kind of depressing to watch. Um, but I think the other side of it is it does, I think, provoke a greater level of, of interest and, and perhaps even a, a greater level of engagement, uh, at least in the in the debate side of, of things. So I, I don't know. It was a good thing. I was glad I went. Glad they invited me. Uh, it was really, really a lot of fun. So I, I enjoyed that. And I, I just I wanted to talk about it a little bit today because, again, um, you know, I, I talk about politics. I debate politics every day. I mean, people, even in my private life, people know who I am. You know, they see me out in a social setting and, uh, oh, there's port. Let's let's go talk politics. Right. I mean, that's just that's what I'm known for. And, you know, most of those conversations go go just fine as well. I mean, face to face. You know, there's still the North Dakota nice thing, but just I don't know. Last night it was heartening. It was really great. I, I really, I really enjoyed it, uh, and it left me feeling pretty good about this uh, our succeeding generations. Which I, I'm not one of those either. Like all oh, these kids these days, whatever. I was one of those dumb kids once too. I was, I was an insufferable <laughs> young adult at one time as well. I still am. Um, we all go. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know. We'll learn that about you, maybe, Marlon. We'll find out. <laughs> um, I went through that period as well where I was a know-it-all idiot. And, uh, you know, I like to think I've grown out of it. Maybe I haven't. All right, let's get serious. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. So yesterday, Marlon, we have uh, we go through this process because we have um, initiated measures on the statewide ballot in November. We have four of them. Um, we have one to create an ethics committee. We have one to put a ban on non-citizens voting in the state constitution. We have one to legalize recreational marijuana. And we have one to provide 
uh, free prot license plates and state part access to first responders. Now, part of that process is the various state agencies produce a report and they deliver it to the legislature, specifically the Legislative Management Committee. Um, and that report is, is just, you know, an accounting of, of what they expect the impacts to be on those agencies, right? Which makes sense, right? Like, like for instance, uh, I thought it was interesting to learn, and the, the number surprised me, but Measure 4, which gives the free license plates to first responders, um, the Department of Transportation estimates a loss of about $17.7 million in revenues uh, from the lost fees of those plates over the next over the next decade. Which is way more than I would have expected. That doesn't it's, seem... It's a lot more than I would have expected. But, I mean, if you start thinking about every cop, every firefighter, every volunteer firefighter in the state, um, that's a lot of people. And, you know, if, if, if they all own two cars, one car, two cars... Uh, and also included in that is is what they're estimating for, um, you know, state park entrance fees as well. You know, so that's that's part of the figure as well. But and and this is over a this is over a decade. But still, I mean, it's it's a not insignificant amount of money, and it's important to know what that figure is when deciding whether or not to vote on Measure Four. Because I think well, while we all like the idea of doing nice things for our first responders who do obviously wonderful things for us, um, there's a cost to it. And before you make the decision on Measure 4, you should understand what that cost is. Uh, so this is a good process. I'm, I'm glad that we do this, where we just go through and we say, okay, well, these are the possible implications for this measure if it passes. Um, the problem is, is it's, it's not all that informative because when, when the, the costs get inflated, and, and because they, they do these, it's, when, when the legislature's in session and the legislature's considering bills, they do what's called fiscal notes, right? So, and it's basically the same thing. Where a, a given piece of legislation, there will be an estimate attached to it of what it's going to cost. So if a, if a given bill is, uh, let's, uh, I, I don't know, uh, let's provide free ice cream for school kids on Tuesdays, um, somebody's going to calculate, okay, well, this is our estimate of what that would cost. That's the fiscal note. Um, and so the legislature, there's this term where they call it death by fiscal note. Right. Where if a given state agency doesn't like a bill, what they'll come in is they'll they'll come in and attach some hugely exaggerated fiscal impact note to the bill. Right. So therefore, uh, when talking about it, people can say, oh, and if we pass this bill, it's going to cost 50 million dollars or whatever it is. I think the health department's trying to do that with measure three, the recreational marijuana bill. And I say that their their overall. Um, impact, their overall fisc- fiscal impact reported to the Legislative Management Committee was about $6.64 million, uh, from the date of implementation through the end of the next biennium. So we're talking through the end of this biennium, which ends June 30th of next year, plus the two-year biennium after that through, uh, gosh, what would that be, 2021? So um, the problem is, is that the bulk of that, like 60% of it, over 60% of it, was a $4.3 million fiscal impact note from the health department, except it's not even really a fiscal impact note, Marlon. What it is is it's a wish list from the health department about all the things they want if this measure passes. Such as? Well, okay, so what they, they're saying is that if this passes, they're going to have to do an educational campaign on the health impact and physical addiction attributed right. to And I'm reading this directly. Uh, uh, use among youth. The campaign would include research, paid media, educational pieces, a website, and social media. 
uh, they're calculating that as uh, over $3.8 million. Which seems excessive. Like, I get that there's probably going to be some educational stuff that needs to go along with it. But they're saying that there needs to be a $3.8 million, like, social media campaign about this. I feel like there's already a lot of literature about marijuana use out there. Yeah, there's not extra costs, or at least certainly not that much extra cost. Yeah, they also want to hire a full-time program manager, like a full-time person to manage just that campaign uh, at almost $200,000 for over the next, you know, the rest of this biennium and then next biennium. That sounds like a good gig to get. Are they hiring yeah. for that? Well, it's it's probably over six figures a year, all told. Uh, they also want uh, to hire another person, a full-time epidemiologist, to monitor trends such as increased ER visits or hospitalizations by youth, product tampering, uh, changes in health among uh, populations, etc., uh, additionally, this position will perform data analysis of hospital discharge information, emergency room visits, poison control information, along with gathering other relevant data to marijuana use. So basically, they're saying they, they need a $3.8 million campaign, and they need to hire two new people, um, an epidemiologist, a full-time epidemiologist, and a full-time person to manage the, inf- manage the information came, uh, campaign about medical, or excuse me, recreational marijuana. Um, this is This is... Neither, none of this is, is required by the measure. And that's the point that I want to make is the measure doesn't, re- doesn't require any of this. Now, these are things that the health department apparently thinks would be a good idea if the measure passes. But that's not the same thing as the fiscal note. The fiscal note is supposed to be these are all the things we will have to do if the measure passes. That's what the they're thing. telling us is these are things that we should do if the measure passes. That's a different thing. Yeah, need and would be nice are two different things. Right, exactly. So, uh, you know, like 60%, because now what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot of, we're already seeing news reports out there about the fiscal impact of, of you know, the fiscal impact of Measure 3, right? We're seeing that out there now. Um, and so this, this $6.64 million figure is going to be reported. That's going to be the cost over the next two biennium. People are going to make their voting decision based on that. But like 60% of it is a wish list from the Department of Health that doesn't really have anything to do with the text of the measure itself. Uh, And I think that's unfortunate because this is supposed to be about informing voters, not misleading them. And I think what the Department of Health is doing is misleading. Uh, Let's take a break. If you want to call in, love to hear from you too. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back on the way. Welcome back, Rockport 970, WDYM 93.1 FM. So I got that off my chest about the health department. That's what my Sunday column's about that as well. So if you want to uh, check that out on Sunday, I, I went into a little bit more depth on it. I, I just think it's unfortunate um, when we debate these things. The whole the whole point of that exercise is to inform public, give them facts on which they can base their decisions. And I, I don't think that that was very factual. So uh, anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, Marlon, we got to talk about this thing with Donald Trump in Puerto Rico today. Have you been following this? Uh, mildly, yes. I haven't. Uh, I haven't had much time to dig into the news the today or most well, of you've yesterday. Been busy. But you start starting a new job. Yeah. Which, well, which, by the way, let's let's address this email from Dan. He goes, Rob, you sure go through a lot of producers. I saw that too. I wasn't going to say anything, but <laughs> is there something I need to know? 
<laughs> no, it's uh, we had Natil for a long time. Yeah, and um, and that was great. Natil and I had great chemistry, but she moved. Uh, unfortunately, I tried to convince her not to move, but she moved. Um, I really liked working with Natil. Um, and then in the interim, you know, we've had we've had some other people filling in. You know, as as we kind of found somebody. Uh, I feel like to do it uh, a little bit more long term. You know, it's a people move in and out. It's it's not it's not necessarily an easy job. So I don't want people to get the idea. I'm not I'm not easy to work with though. And that's part of the I'm process a, is in and out. You know, you you you, yeah. you got to try on a lot of pair of pants before you get the right pants. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not even I'm not even driving this bus either. Like you're just <laughs> telling me. I like. They told me. They told me last week. Hey, new guy's gonna start. Okay, great, fine. All right, I'm a team player. I don't imagine. I, roll with the punches. I don't imagine you're hard to work with. But if you are, I will let someone know. You'll let someone know. <laughs> All right. You're gonna blow the whistle on me. Right. <laughs> um, we have. Uh, we got to talk about Trump in, in Puerto Rico now. He he took to Twitter, and what he said on Twitter was three thousand people did not die in the two hurricanes that hit Puerto Rico when I left the island after the storm had hit. They had anywhere from 6 to 18 deaths. As time went by, it did not go up by much. Then a long time later, they started to report really large numbers like 3,000. This was done by the Democrats in order to make me look as bad as possible when I was successfully raising billions of dollars to help rebuild Puerto Rico. If a person died for any reason, like old age, they just add that just add them onto the list. Bad politics. I love Puerto Rico. Um First of all, we we should actually talk about, and I'm I'm not going to defend Trump because I think he's handling this stupidly. And it it is unfortunate that people, like we politicize hurricanes, you know, going all the way back to George W. Bush and Hurricane Katrina. um, I mean, we, we politicized that so much that when President Obama announced that he was running for the White House in 2008, he did it um, from where Katrina hit ground zero like years later after the recovery. I mean, that's that's the degree to which we have turned hurricanes into political footballs, both sides of the aisle, and it's frankly disgusting. Um, and so but President Trump's trying to play some defense here. The official count from Puerto Rico, um, once, you know, sort of the, the storm had cleared and everything and they were beginning on recovery, the official count was 64. That's what what uh, Puerto Rico Governor Ricardo Rosello announced. Um, now they revised that later, much later, and even even much later, as as President Trump alleges in his his tweet or says in his tweet, much later they, they revised it up. It was based on a a study commissioned um, that basically Puerto Rico commissioned George Washington University to come in and do a study. And what they did wasn't actually like I, I think most of us hear this account, this very specific two thousand nine hundred and seventy five number, and we think, okay, they like counted names, right? Like they have like a list of names and these are the people who died in the hurricane. That's actually not what it is. Um the way they did it, uh the study, and I'm quoting here from ABC News, focused on the number of excess deaths in the six months following Maria's landfall. Now, I, I think there's value in doing that. I mean, I think there's no question that after the hurricane, uh, the chaos and the recovery and how awful everything, the conditions down there, probably did contribute to some deaths. But it gets tricky because why people die is a complicated thing. If somebody was really sick or really old before the hurricane uh, and maybe they died six months, I mean, did the hurricane kill them? I mean, that 
that becomes problematic. And I, th- I think what President Trump is saying is using that number might might be a little inflated. He's not necessarily wrong, but now the way he's going about doing it, describing it as like it's some sort of a partisan plot, I think undermines his own credibility to even make that argument in the first place. So anyway, we'll continue this discussion after this. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Report 970 WDYM 93.1 FM. We're talking about this uh, kerfuffle with Trump and the death toll out of Puerto Rico. He says it's a construction by the Democrats. I think that's just a stupid thing to say. Now, if if you want to say, because again, I think a lot of people are misunderstanding what this number is. It's not like a raw count. It's not like a body count. There's not like a list of individuals where they have the names and everything. Okay, these people died from the hurricane. It's not that... It was a study, and what they looked at is the excess deaths in the six months following Hurricane Maria's landfall. And so essentially what they said is normally Puerto Rico sees this number of deaths in that time. What they actually saw was, was what they saw after the hurricane was this many deaths. Now, you could quibble about the methodology, and you could also quibble about the way, the way a lot of the people are talking about the results from that survey – but what I don't understand about President Trump is why he picks fights like this. Like, like why, why even pick this as your hill to die on? What, 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 what is the point? I, I don't, I don't get it. Like, why are you, you doing this? You're, you're not helping yourself. And usually, the response I get from Trump supporters will be something along the lines of, "Well, you know, he, uh, you know, he, he does things. He's not politically correct. You know, he does things in his own way." And you know what? I mean, I like those things. I think that there was this sort of ossified establishment in in American politics, particularly in federal politics, that needed to be wrecked. You know, to the extent that President Trump was a wrecking ball for that, I supported it. It's about time. But some of this stuff, I mean, President Trump supports a lot of policies that I support. He's done a lot of things that are good in particular for our part of the world. So what I understand is why he... This, to me, looks like he's shooting himself in the foot. This doesn't help him. I feel like if he didn't do stuff like this, he could do even more of the stuff that actually works. It, it just it doesn't make sense to me. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Let's go to the phones. Jeff, you're on, buddy. What's up? Hey, hey Rob. Uh, I just want to say that I love your show. You, you are the light in the tunnel sometimes for me. <laughs> and what you were talking about earlier, I just I just drove in from Fargo a little bit ago. All and right. I got to say that you're right. Um, I have several friends that there's no, you know, I was in, 30 years ago, I was in debate in high school. Uh-huh. And there's no more of that now. Everyone gets angry right away. It's like oh, it yeah. goes from yeah. talking to anger. And I'm with you, too. I, I think that I'm a Trump supporter, I'll tell you the truth. But, boy, sometimes some of the stuff he does, it's like you've got to wonder, you know. Why are you – yeah, I, I just don't understand. Like, I want to I wanna support – generally, I support his agenda, right? I mean, yep, there's a few things I, I don't I – don't, not 100%. But generally, I'm there with him more often than I'm not. Uh, I want him to be successful. I want him to right. advance Shooting more of that policy agenda. Constant. But why Why do this? 
Why do this? I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't believe he doesn't have advisors that are talking. Oh, he to does. Him. I think he just doesn't listen to them. Yeah. Well, you know, you know uh, the ego thing is big, but no, I just love your show. I tell you what, you are a breath of fresh air. Well, thank you, sir. Uh, and I, I agree with you about the, the debating thing. You know one thing, because I was, I, I've, I've, I've been writing about politics for 15 years. My yep, blog has a 15 year anniversary. Stuff, really. farm, well, well, thank so. you. I appreciate that. For And, one thing that I learned along the way, because I used to get really worked up, and I, I, you know, get into it with everybody the way, uh, you know, the way a lot of people do. Yep. What, what really, what attack. really helped, yeah. <laughs> what, what really helped me along the way is just realizing that it's just accepting the fact that you're, you're most of the time you're not going to change anybody's mind. Every once no. in a while you will, yep. but for the Agreed. most part you're, you're just not, and, and that's okay. You know, uh, you know I, 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 my I, sister that lives down here in Detroit Lakes. Um, we are on opposite sides of the fence. I cannot stand Heidi Heitkamp. I can't even look at her. Yeah. But my sister is a supporter of hers. But yet, we can have a nice discussion about it. Sure. Yeah. But I have friends who just, it's two minutes in, and they're they're so angry, they want to throw their beer glass, you know. Yeah. And it's like, really? I I, I, I think what, what, what I have, I have... My big shift, I mean, because I, I think we all, as we get older, we gain more perspective, hopefully more wisdom. I don't know if I'm more wise. I hope I've got more perspective. But w- what I like to think, what, what, what really helped me and sort of an epiphany I had is, is just, A, realizing that I'm not going to change a lot of people's minds. And, and B, also accepting that that's okay. And, and maybe what we should be pursuing is a sort of public policy that just allows us to be different. That, that yep. allows us to make all the different choices that we want to make in our lives and live our lives the way we want to live them and, and just live that way. I mean, that's yep. – that's now, it's it's not always possible. I mean, sometimes a decision has to be made, and no decision is ever going to have 100% support. Yeah, and me too. That, I've but come I, to the conclusion that I, I can agree to disagree. Just let, live and you and don't have live. to get angry about it. You know, I'm 54 yeah. years old, and I've come to that conclusion that, you know what? I'm a pretty happy camper. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. you have a You great sound like taste, a happy or... guy, Jeff. You sound like, and you have great taste in political content, I got to say. 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. A light in a tunnel, Marlon. Did you hear that? I did. That was very poetic. <laughs> I'm going to have to put that on a resume. Yeah, I'm going to have to. That's There's my next tattoo, just your face and a light yeah. at the end of the tunnel. Oh man! Right across the chest. Don't 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 do that to yourself, Marlon. That's, I, that's a terrible idea. Uh, we'll see. Do you do you agree with me that I don't? I mean, setting aside, I, I imagine you're not a Trump fan. No, um, not in the least. No. But even even just setting aside your distaste for his policy platform or whatever, just as a as a practical matter of being an effective purveyor of public policy, why the hell do this? Why why? <laughs> Yeah, why even bring it up? Like, why even decide to start I mean, I, that fight? I understand why he's bringing it up. I mean, the New York Times is bringing it up because we have a hurricane that's barreling, barreling down on North Carolina, and already we're seeing you know, some, some of the political posturing where, well, we took funding away from FEMA, and we did all this and that. And, I mean, that's, that's how when, when we have hurricanes in the modern political era, the president gets blamed. No matter what, the party that's out of power, the party that's not the president's power, is going to blame the president for everything. Um, which is weird because it didn't used to be that like the president was in charge of personally responding to every natural disaster. It used to be we had this like local and state-based mechanism, and the federal government was like behind the scenes, you know, providing support, not the front line. 
Right. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure that that trend has been a positive, um, particularly given how we've turned it into a political football. So I, I can understand. He's going to get attacked politically for this, fairly or unfairly. He just is. And I can understand uh, you got to push back on that. He's got to make it, whether you agree with him or not, he's got to make his argument. But this is his but argument. that's the one you're going to make, that one? This is This is the hill we're dying on? This is the sword we're pulling out of the out of this out of the, oh my goodness. <laughs> why why why? You know, and it's it's frustrating because again, I support most of his policies. I want him to be successful. I think he's generally just in terms of actual public policy, I think he's doing good things, but the thing is if you're hamstringing yourself, you don't get to govern. And if you don't get to govern, what is the point? All right, more to come straight ahead. Seven oh, hey, we got more p- new polling in the Senate race. We're going to talk about that a little bit coming up next. Seven oh one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. What is this? kind of a bump is this marlon we're just vibing what are we a little. doing here we're just vibing a little Rob. vibing a little all right how about how about less vibing <laughs> in the future <laughs> all right that's all right we're working things out marlon and i are gonna get the feel of the flow of this we're doing good all right 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 email talk at wday.com uh we're, we're talking about president trump and the whole puerto rico um thing emailer uh says hi rob the libs have politicized the hurricane of puerto rico the mayor there is a major lib who hates Trump, and they had one of the head guys from FEMA on the other day, and he refuted all of the liberal reporters' biased questions on the number of deaths attributed to the hurricane and how supposedly little was done to help them. He flat out told her she was incorrect on several phony factors she presented. President Trump is right. Um, he, here's the thing, is, I, and, and this is really complicated because we're talking about two different things. We have one death toll that is an actual headcount of people who were killed by the hurricane, like they drowned or whatever. That number is 64. What we also have is a survey commissioned by the Puerto Rican government, uh, which also I believe had involvement from FEMA. Uh, the survey was commissioned. It was George Washington University that conducted the survey. And essentially what it is is it's a an estimate of deaths caused by the hurricane. Because you also got to remember, conditions in Puerto Rico were pretty horrific for a long time after the after the um, hurricane. And so what they're saying is, um, you know, we saw an increase above what would be Puerto Rico's historical death rate <clears throat> during that time, and we're attributing that increase to to the hurricane. Now, some people are, are talking about that increase as though, you know, that that's like a written-in-stone list of names figure, and it's not necessarily. So President Trump is technically correct in some of what he's saying. The problem is the way he's saying it is undermining his own ability to articulate that government. Because the emailer is right. Republicans, Democrats, they all hurt, They all politicize these hurricanes. They all politicize natural disasters now. Right? You take something, you glom onto it, you blame the person in charge. Whether it's really their fault or not, uh, that's what you do. That's what they do today. So, yes, absolutely. Right now, the Democrats, much as the Republicans did under President Obama, the Democrats are seizing on this issue with which to attack President Trump. The Democrats and their sort of surrogates, in the media um the problem is is that president trump is not doing a particularly good job of pushing back and that's really my argument 
is that the way he's going about doing this is is wrong and it, it undermines his own credibility. And I think that's I think that's unfortunate. I wish he would stop doing that because, frankly, uh, I would like a more effective Trump than a less effective Trump. Uh, all right, so let's talk about Marla. You've I'm I'm sure. Uh, how, oh gosh, how can you hide from it? All the uh, advertising in our Senate race. My goodness, it's everywhere. You would expect that all of that advertising would have changed. Um, it would have had an impact showing up in the public opinion polls, right? You would hope like, so. You, it would be moving. I mean, all the millions of dollars spent, you would hope it would move the needle, right? Right. It doesn't seem to be. Uh, I am looking. We have had six polls in this race done since February. Um, the earliest poll was conducted by an organization called Terrence Group. It was commissioned by the NRSC. Uh, that poll, conducted February 18th through February 20th, had Heitkamp at 44%, Kramer at 49%, five-point lead for Kramer. Uh, the Fox, the, the most recent poll, was Fox News uh, commissioned it, uh, was conducted September 8th through September 11th, had Heitkamp at 44%, Kramer at 48%, four-point lead for Kramer. Millions and millions of dollars spent. And the thing is, is between those two polls, we have four other polls from Gravis Marketing, Mason Dixon, SurveyMonkey, and Axios, right? So, I mean, we have, we're, we're not talking about polls from just one source. We have multiple sources, um, you know, multiple media organizations commissioning them. Uh, and they're all showing kind of just basically, for instance, the Axios poll had uh, Heitkamp at 47, Kramer at 52, five-point lead for Kramer. Uh, Mason Dixon poll had Heitkamp at 44, Kramer at 48, four-point lead for Kramer. Like, it's 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 down the line, and it's been consistent. Now, I'm not – I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, that, you know, this means that Kramer's going to win. You know, we're, we're coming into the heat of the election. Things could change very quickly. If Democrats can latch on to an issue that gets traction, like, I don't know, maybe the soybean issue that we talked about yesterday – that could move the needle very quickly. We're at, we're at a time in the election cycle when things can move very, very quickly. If something happens, a news cycle or whatever can flip the very quickly. And Kramer has no room to be feeling confident. A four or five-point lead is nothing. In fact, in a lot of these polls, that's within the margin of error. So I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to win, but what I am saying, and, and I think this is remarkable, Marlon, is that all of this, everything that we've seen, right, all the headlines – the the ubiquitous advertising. I mean, you can't even watch Hulu, right? We're trying no, to watch you Hulu. You can't scroll through anything. You on can't your watch phone. YouTube. There's yeah. one on television right now. I'm staring right at it right now. My um my son likes to watch uh, kids. They like to watch these YouTube videos of people just playing with toys. Mm-hmm. He loves them. Yep. Can't get enough of them. Uh, but yet we get we get like Heidi Heitkamp ads during that. And, like, he'll, he'll literally say, like, not her again, not her again, Daddy. And he starts, you know, and he doesn't know anything. He's just right. upset because his toy video's not on. Well, yeah. But, I mean, kid, that's how ubiquitous. It's not very entertaining. Right. And, and, and none of it, none of it is moving the needle. Like, it's, it's really, it's nothing. Nothing's moving the needle. I, I've got all the data, and i got, you know, a, a spreadsheet of all the, the, um, the polling numbers, and I've got a trend line for the graphs up at sayanythingblog.com. Uh, you could check that out, but it just, I mean, that's, what's remarkable to me. I mean, you would expect, you know, I mean, we've had some where Kevin Kramer's had a bad news cycle and then we've had other periods where Heidi Heitkamp's had a bad news cycle and you would expect to see some up and downs now that we've got these polls and we're really not, we're really not. And it, it makes me feel like most voters have made up their mind. 
you know, and, and probably the question is, is which way are the undecideds going to break? And, and probably that's, you know, it, every election come, probably comes down to that. But, I mean, it's still anybody's race. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know, predicting anything. It's just it's been remarkable to me how resilient Kramer's lead has been to this point. Doesn't mean it can't change. I'm just saying it's, well, it's kind of remarkable. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's really interesting. Uh, hey, we're going to talk measure three, the recreational ballot measurement, uh, recreational ballot measure, measure, recreational marijuana ballot measure. Uh, Bob Weefald, he is a spokesman for North Dakotans against the legalization of recreational marijuana. He joins me next, uh, coming up at one o'clock. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM. We'll be right back. more like it marlon i like this that's what you're into Our, okay. yeah oh, yeah i like this upbeat this is good yep i mean all right two. our our tour of the rob report commences now we uh are going to be talking to uh, bob weefald from uh, north dakotans against the legalization of recreational marijuana he's on with us now also coming up at 1 30 uh congressman kevin kramer will be on for his weekly open phone segment uh, you could certainly call in and uh, ask him anything. We don't screen the calls. We don't. We get to as many questions as we can. Uh, you could call them in, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. You can email them in, email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, you can tweet them at me if you want, at Rob Port. Uh, or, yeah, I've got a Facebook thread started uh, on my Facebook account. You should be Facebook friends with me. Friend me on Facebook. Uh, you, the thread's there. Uh, I don't even think you got to be my friend there. You can put your questions there if that's, uh, if that's how you're most comfortable. Anyway. Uh, let's go to our guest right now. It's uh, Bob Weefald, uh, who doesn't think we should pass Measure 3. Bob, how you doing? I'm doing great, Rob. Thanks for having us on. Yes, Measure, th- yeah. measure 3 is a disaster. It'll be bad law. People ought to vote no. All right. Well, let me let me ask you this question right off the bat, because I, I think it's yep. there's a distinction. I, there's a lot of people that I have heard say that they want to they, they want to um, legalize recreational marijuana but they have concerns with the way that Measure 3 goes about doing it. Is, is there any – I mean, are you opposed to the legalization of recreational marijuana as a, even as a concept, or is it just specifically Measure 3 that you have a problem with? I am talking about Measure 3. That's all we get to vote on. We can't say what would have been, what should have been, how we should all have right. written this. We have what we have. Measure 3 is on the ballot as is, and that's what we have to vote on, up or down. And up, if we vote for it, it's going to be bad law for North Dakota because it's going to law – allow unregulated, unlimited marijuana in North Dakota. There'll be absolutely no rules or regulations for it. There'll be no income from a special tax. And I think that the sales tax won't even apply. I think it's a bad law. We should not uh, vote for the ta- it. Well, the, ta- the tax commissioner's office said the sales tax will apply in, in, in what yeah. they just reported to the legislature yesterday. Yeah, and I, I was there after he spoke, and I told the legislature he was wrong. And I'm, here's why I say that, because the very last, section, a subsection of this initiative measure reads as follows. In the event of the existence of any language in the North Dakota Century Code which conflicts with this chapter, those sections are hereby nullified and repealed. Now, I will tell you this. A tax, whether you like it or not, is an imposition. It affects what you can do. And a tax, a sales tax on marijuana, in my opinion, a clever attorney is going to have no problem saying, Mr. Mr. Tax Commissioner, you don't have any authority over this. Plus, the uh, marijuana in North Dakota is completely unregulated, uncontrolled, any amount. 
I don't think there could be many legitimate, I mean, storefronts selling it uh, because you can get it anywhere. Yeah. Well, I, I think that I think that argument's a, a little bit of a stretch. I but I, I do see some other problems with Measure Three. But, but let me ask because you've you've said num- a number of times now that it would be unlimited amounts. If we make it legal, right? Like, um, you know, I I don't, I don't know. Vegetable soup's legal right now. I can own as much vegetable soup as I would like. Uh, why why should if if we legalize recreational marijuana, why shouldn't I be able to have as much of it as I want? Well, if we do legalize it, yeah, you'll have be able to have as much as you want. Uh, my position why is not? I think why not? Why is that? Why is that a bad thing? It's because it's going to uh, control. In the states that do have uh, uh, legalized marijuana, they do have some limits on what they put into their law. North Dakota hmm. will be the most liberal state in the union, uh, completely unregulated. Now, why is that bad? I think it's going to be bad because we're going to find. Uh, a lot of bad people coming in and dealing huge quantities. I think we're going to find people raising well, doing that already for shipping them out of state. Yeah. There's a lot of bad people dealing pot here already. I mean, I'm pretty sure, Bob, after the show, if I wanted to go out and buy some marijuana, I could find somebody to sell it to me pretty quickly. I mean, it's all over the place. Yeah, I, and, and, and I can tell you this. If I went out, I wouldn't be able to identify the people. I wouldn't know what I was buying, and I'd never use it. I, I, I'd never tasted it, so I couldn't use it for you. You asked me earlier about what I feel about marijuana, let me just tell you this. Uh, five years and 13 days ago, my son was killed in an accident in Kings Canyon Park. He had some marijuana in his system, but he wasn't driving. He made them, I think they affected his judgment. He got in the back of a pickup, driven by a guy with too much alcohol, too much drugs, and going way too fast, hit a tree, game over for my son. I don't think marijuana is a good deal for anybody. Yeah, well, I mean, that's 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 very tragic, and I I can understand that. And and marijuana is certainly an inebriant. And but I mean, we have lots of things that people can use irresponsibly. We have Absolutely. guns that some people use irresponsibly. We have alcohol that's legal that some people use irresponsibly. I don't know that that's a good argument towards prohibition. The idea that some people will be irresponsible yeah. in their use of it. But but there is an argument to be made. And and I've I've had law enforcement. I had a. Uh, Cass County Sheriff Paul Laney on on the program talking about this. And I do think that this is a valid criticism of Measure 3. I am worried about how we're going to handle this from – because we all have an interest in keeping inebriated drivers, whatever their – you know, whatever the inebriation is is from, uh, keeping them off the roads. Um, I worry about – particularly in the way Measure 3 goes about doing it, I think there is an argument to be made that this creates a real problem in that area of statute. Is that something your group shares as well? Absolutely. Uh, Attorney General Wayne Stengem has said, and I agree, that with this supremacy clause, uh, the driving under the influence of marijuana is outlawed because that's, a, that's an, an imposition that would be repealed and nullified. Same as smoking marijuana in public places. You'll have the bizarre result that you can't smoke cigarettes, but you can smoke marijuana yeah. in, in public places. It's very bizarre. Uh, and by the way, on that personal opinion, you asked me what I thought. That's what I thought. I I, I'm not trying to impose my personal opinion on anybody else. Sure. No, I, I understand that. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com if you'd like to join the program. Uh, now, Bob, you've what, is, is, is that – I mean, that, I'm, I'm trying to make a list here of what your objections are. Uh, what, okay. what, what do we got left? I mean, what, what, what are the other problems? Well, uh, they're, they're, they talk about revenue. I don't think there's going to be any revenue from this measure at all. I mean uh, – there might be some people coming to town to shop for marijuana that also buy a malt at, the, at one of the stores or buy some clothes at a clothing shop, but that's ordinary retail commerce. Uh, there's no special tax authorized, plus there's no rules and regulation. 
And I do, as I said, I believe the sales tax is not going to apply. So that's a problem. I think that in Colorado, if you judge by what's happened there, they have seen an increase in the use of marijuana by uh, at a younger age by children, uh, a big increase. They've seen more traffic fatalities where there's THC in the system of the victims or the drivers. Uh, they're seeing more violent crime uh, with people involved in THC. So, yeah, there, there's anecdotal evidence from other states that this is not good. Washington, Oregon State, uh, the information we, we're getting statistics from a group called Smart Approaches to Marijuana out of, uh, out of the yeah. Virginia area, Washington D.C. area. Yeah, and I'm, I'm familiar with them. Those, I think they're a little yeah. hysterical sometimes, but yeah. Yeah, well, whatever, hysterical or not, but facts are facts. There's a uh, a big percentage increase in the number of emergency room visits with marijuana in, in uh, the state of Oregon. In, in Washington State, they're finding uh, they're finding uh, more fatalities uh, involved in marijuana. That increase in yeah. Oregon is about two thousand percent, according to Smart Approaches to Marijuana. So I haven't uh, gone out and done if, the research and knocked on the doors. I'm just yeah. giving on what, what's been given to me. I guess if, if that's, I mean, if, if because this, this is an argument, this is an argument we hear a lot is that, well, if we legalize it here, we're going to have all these terrible experiences like all these other states. But yet the, the trend for a long time now, I mean, most states now legalize marijuana to one degree or another, uh, you know, even even the number. Um, mostly it's been medical marijuana in most states. But now even a lot of states are, are legalizing recreational marijuana. If it's been so awful in all these other states, why? Why is the trend this direction? Well, I think that uh, public uh, people are talking about it. But listen, here's what I you call it. We call it recreational marijuana, and that's the name of our committee. I, I prefer to call it reckless marijuana. Uh, let me just give you some statistics we got yesterday from Colorado. Well, this one sort of blew All my right. mind, but I don't know what it is. It says in marijuana, excuse me, in Colorado, as of, in, as of June 2017, there were 392 Starbucks stores. You know, they're all over the place. And sure. there were 202 McDonald's, and they're all over the place. But yeah, they're almost as ubiquitous to, as pot dealers. Yeah, that uh, that compares to 491 retail marijuana stores in the state of Colorado. Ah, oh, man, it's going to be all over the place, all over the place. Let's uh, let's go to the calls. Uh, Michael, line one, you got a question for Bob. What's up? Yeah, um, I actually have two two separate questions. Um, sure. The first one is uh, we keep hearing like we keep hearing quantity, quantity, quantity. There's going to be all over the place at every street corner. We're going to see marijuana. Um, and then every time it gets asked, you know, why is that a bad thing? You know, can, you, you said tomato or vegetable soup, you know, alcohol, tobacco, these things that can kill you. Um, I can have, you know, 20, you know, 2000 gallons of alcohol, and a, you know, strong liquor in my home. But. You know, there's the you know the complaints about limitations on marijuana, and then I'm curious where these statistics and then where this group is getting their money. I haven't heard any statistics. Uh, curious if uh, Mr. Weefault can share any information on where they're getting funds. Or is it coming from out of state, like with this Oklahoma sure. medical marijuana one in June, or are these from North Dakota? Fine, let me answer the question. They're getting funds from me. I put in a thousand dollars. A couple of my friends put in a thousand dollars. We're looking for money, so everybody out there listening. Please send checks to no, vote no one no three to P.O. Box 2639, Bismarck, North Dakota, 58502. We need money from people. We don't have any source of out-of-state money yet. We'd like to get some. We don't have any. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, let's go. Mike. Line, oh, sorry. We'll go real quick, Michael, then I want to move on. Already lost him. Oh, we lost him. Sorry about that, Michael. Uh, let's go to Mike. Line two. You're up. Uh, what's, what's your question for Bob? 
I was curious about the public places. So is, is Bob saying that you can smoke marijuana if this passes in a restaurant or a convenience store or a shopping center? The answer is yes, absolutely. Uh, the, the current well, it would be legal for those places to allow it. I mean, if, yeah, if, it, if the mall still wanted to say you can't smoke pot, it's, I mean, it's their property. It's up to them. But they could allow exactly it if they right. wanted to, I guess. That's exactly right. They can, yeah. they can kick you out and say, we don't want you in here. But as the traditional public spaces where you can't use uh, smoke, you can smoke marijuana because this law will trump that law. So you'll be in the bizarre situation where you can smoke marijuana, but you can't smoke cigarettes. They can kick you yeah. out, Bob. Well, maybe we should get rid of the tobacco law. Do anything law, to you legally? No, not, nothing legally. This would be the the owner of the property would have to decide whether you can smoke marijuana in his premises. So by the time they kick that person out, that I I'm under the understanding that there'd probably be some uh, aroma of pot floating around that shopping center or that business. I went I wouldn't be surprised at all because I you know honest to God I've never smelled it, but people tell me it's got a real strong odor. It's pungent, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Mike, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 701-293-9000, Email talk at wday.com. Jeff, line three, go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so he's never smelled it or had any experience with it, and yet he is. Uh, I, I'm having a big problem with your guest today. Um, I don't you understand. The pothead? No. I wouldn't. I, I I don't smoke it, and I don't. It's not my thing. But I think that uh, you need to have a more open mind. And you know what? All your numbers from your Colorado experience or what you're saying, none of that is true. I have well, I have lots of friends, and I've been to Colorado. I go down there for football games twice a year. And I'll tell you what. I don't know where you're getting this, because. It is a very nice community, so I guess whatever, but that's it. Well, I'll hang up and listen. It, okay. Anecdotal evidence. Uh, the statistics we get are from Smart Marijuana and government reports. I can just tell you that uh, Saturday night uh, I was talking to friends gathering after a funeral that day, and the guy was from Cal- uh, was uh, from Colorado, and he said it is horrible. Uh, Marijuana is all over the place. You can't go through. You walk around. There's smoke all over the place. Yeah, so a lot of people are complaining about it. I'm sure there are people using it. I think it's just fine, but I think people that are not using it are very upset with it. Uh, we got John, line two. We've got to be quick, John. We're coming up on the end of this segment. What's up? Sure. Well, Bob said that there were 400-some places in Colorado that sell marijuana, and then he says that uh, there's, you know, so many Starbucks. Well, maybe instead of saying Starbucks, he should use coffee shops. And then he said there were, you know, X number of McDonald's, you know, in uh, Colorado. Well, maybe he should just say uh, burger joints. And then he could compare the two. But that was a very poor analogy. Well, that analogy comes from the uh, government affairs in Colorado. It's the Rocky Mountain High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area Report. And that's what they said. They aren't even close to being uh, comparison. No problem. But I think 491 retail marijuana shops yeah. in Colorado is a big number and a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Well, very yeah. good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for the call, John. Appreciate it. Uh, Bob, um, we're th- thank you so much for your time today. We're out of time. I uh, appreciate you coming on and taking questions. I imagine we'll have you on again down the line as the uh, as this debate unfolds, but appreciate your time today. 
Yeah, I'd be very, I'd be very pleased to come back on. Just tell you, tell, I want your audience to stand. We need to vote no on Measure Three. It's going to be bad law. Thanks, thanks, Rob. All right, Th- thanks. I think thanks for the call, Bob. Appreciate it. We'll be uh, right back after this. Is the Rob Report nine seventy WDY AM ninety three point one FM. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port 970 WDY AM 93.1 FM. Just finished up with Bob Weeball from against the legalization of recreational marijuana. I, I don't think he was winning many people over, uh, just judging by the calls and, and some of these emails I'm going to read here in a minute. But, Marlon, I don't, I don't think he was winning a lot of people over. With no, I don't think so. I I mean, he didn't. Uh... You know, the reason why I asked him that, the reason why I asked him that first question about how he felt, because I, I can understand having objections to, like, measure three as law, right? And we don't necessarily get to i mean measure three is now it's a real concrete thing that's on the ballot uh and and the choice we have is basically binary you either say yes or you say no to that proposal so i could say saying well measure the way it goes about legalization is wrong and it's going to create problems i can understand that argument i don't understand like like the what i really have a problem with this sort of continued drug warrior attitude we're just you know the idea of using marijuana in general is now like like he, he sort of um I, I thought the caller, um, what was it, Jeff? I think called in and, and was saying, you know, I, I don't. You you say you've never used it. How, how could you know it's so bad? Uh, and he says, "Well, would you believe me more if I'm a pothead?" Or yeah. are you kids? Yeah, are you I probably would. Me? Like, <laughs> I yeah. I mean, maybe somebody who's had a little bit of experience around marijuana. Yes, maybe that would that would inform your opinion a little bit. That was uh, I was burned through some of these. I was I was with Jeff on that one for sure. Like, oh, yeah. you don't. No, I. I you're going to legislate something that you don't know anything about. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I just, I, I think that that drug warrior mentality where it's all bad and we're going to stand behind prohibition policies, I think it's old and busted. I don't think it worked. I, I think, I think drug, I think marijuana. Well, I mean, we're, we're talking about marijuana specifically. I think marijuana prohibition has been about as successful as alcohol prohibition. We're not stopping anything, by the way. If you want pot today, you can buy pot. There's more pot dealers in North Dakota than there are Starbucks and McDonald's. I guarantee you. Uh, it's everywhere, so let's just get on with it. Uh, Dwayne uh, emails, this guy has a moral agenda and will never change his mind. It's scary how completely clueless he is. Yeah, that I think that drug warrior mentality. I mean, listen, if you want to convince people to vote against Measure 3 because it's bad law, okay. Um, but I don't, I don't know that there's a lot of sympathy out there anymore for this idea that just potheads are crazed criminals. Um <laughs> Once upon a time, that might have persuaded people, but I don't think that time is today. Another email, violent crimes because of THC. None of these facts are facts. Please tell me this guy holds no position of influence of any kind, completely brain dead. Why? I think that was a little mean. Uh, I think he used to be a judge. Anyway, I don't think his argument today against marijuana was very convincing. Uh, Let's see, email Nicole says, Sounds like a bunch of old people caught in reefer madness. It's not recreational. It's reckless. Give me a break. The laws will come over time just like they do with every single thing. It took decades for indoor cigarette smoking to be regulated. Laws regarding marijuana regulation will come over time as well. And I I think that's right. And I I think, one, we are transitioning as a nation from a time where marijuana was was 100% prohibited to a time where it's being permitted to one degree or another, depending on where you live there's going to be some turbulence along that way right i mean it's, it's going to take us some time 
to figure out, okay, how does this now fit into society? Where do we want to allow this to happen? How do we want it to be sold? How are we going to regulate it? Um, I'm fine with having that debate. Let's have that debate. What, what I think the, the, the area where I think the debate is over is the idea of whether or not marijuana should be legal. Honestly, I think public opinion has turned on that, and it's time to recognize reality. Is Measure 3 the right way to do it? I, You know, that's that's up for debate. Hey, uh, we'll be right back. Congressman Kevin Kramer joins me next. Whatever your questions are for him, you can get them in now. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDY.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Rob Report 970, WDYM 93.1 FM. It is our um, open phone segment with uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer, uh, who uh, we're so waiting to get on the line. Sometimes, sometimes he's a little he's a little tardy, Marlon. Uh, just aren't we? He's all? a busy member of Congress. Yeah, we we've all... had him. Uh, I've we have had him on during this segment where he has been like like he sounds like he's on a treadmill because he's trucking from his office over to Congress to take a vote. Uh, we've actually had him taking calls on this program from the cloakroom, at uh, from just off the floor of the House of Representatives, like during debates and stuff. He'll duck out and uh, and do a quick segment with us. So we're always appreciative of his time, uh, and he should be uh, calling in here momentarily. In the meantime, uh, if you want to uh, get your phone calls in, seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. You can email your questions in uh, talk at wday dot com. Uh, you can tweet them at me at Rob Port. Or you can uh, go to my uh, Facebook page and uh, post your questions there as well. Um, and in the meantime, by the way, this, this Senate race that we're all talking about, a uh, new polling out from Fox News, uh, commissioned by Fox News yesterday, uh, shows Kramer with a four-point lead. That's a lead that, frankly, has been pretty resilient um, going all the way back to, to February. I mean, it just I'm looking at, at what's publicly available in these polls, and, and frankly, I'm not seeing a lot of movement, and that to me, it's kind of remarkable given the amount of, of spending that's been going on in this race for a while. Uh, but now we have the uh, congressman on air with us uh, now. Uh, congressman Kramer, how you doing? Hey, Rob, I'm well, thank you. Uh, we're waiting out here for the the uh, the target to be hit with this big uh, hurricane that's coming our way, but it looks like Ugh. it's it's yeah. drifting a little bit south of D.C., so we're probably, probably going to dodge the well. bulk of it. Well, wherever wherever it hits, you know, yeah. obviously hoping for everybody's safety and and, and all that. Uh, before we get to calls, I wanted to ask you a question. Yesterday, we got you know you got you know pretty pretty decent polling news. You have a, a slim lead over incumbent Senator Heidi Heitkamp, according to that latest Fox News polls. Well, yeah. What I've seen is interesting, and and, and the, the only polling we I know you you campaigns and politicians mm-hmm. doing all sorts of polling sure. behind the scenes that we don't see. Mm-hmm. What I see just the publicly available polling that I see though, mm-hmm. I'm surprised at how stable it's been. Yeah. Um, despite yeah. all the millions and millions of dollars spent, uh, we had a, a poll from the NRSC back in February that had Heitkamp at 44, you at 49. We have this Fox News poll now in September. Heitkamp's at 44, you're at 48. Um, doesn't seem like there's been much movement, Kevin. Yeah, it, it is interesting, isn't it? But you, I think it's um, indicative, though, of a race where both – candidates are very well known and and you know for all practical purposes Senator Heitkamp and I both have you know nearly 100% name ID um both candidates are quite well known both of us uh, it's not just a matter of name ID but 
known at a more personal level, uh, you know, been around a long time. People know our records. Um, people you know, have largely made decisions, uh, you know, and, and that's that's the issue when you have two people that, that people already have made their you know, decision on for the most part. Now, that's not to say that they're not persuadable, although the Fox News poll shows that there aren't a lot of persuadables. You know, again, similarly to similar to the not very many undecided, there's also not a lot even that are decided that are that are persuadable. I think the poll referenced the fact that both of us have very strong, you know, support. Uh, among those that say they're voting for us, so I just think that's the that's the the product when you have two people that are well known and and uh, you know you just probably won't see a lot of movement and at the end uh, it'll be come down to turnout. Let's uh, let's let's go to some of the uh, questions. First of all, we'll get Karen uh, on the line. Karen, you got a question? Go ahead. Yes, I was wondering uh, how the process is going with getting Canada to agree to NAFTA. Yeah. Thanks, Karen, for the question. I'm not in the room, so I don't necessarily know minute by minute or hour, but we're getting very encouraging news from the people that are. And in Canada, as you know, came came to the the negotiation after taking a break. Don't don't get me wrong; they were in it very early on. Of course, they're always part of it. And then it was the United States and Mexico that went bilateral, apart from Canada. And all along, what was intriguing to me in the last couple of days, Karen, is when it was watching the bilateral happen. You know, the United States kept pushing for, you know, we'll do a deal with Mexico without Canada if Canada doesn't come to the table. Mexico was always saying, yeah, but it's a trilateral deal. We really need Mexico here. We want to negotiate with Mexico. And then when they got to the deadline or got to the point where the two countries, Mexico and the United States, were ready to, to you know, um, announce a deal, which we did, and start the clock, the 60-day clock that that requires this to be done by November 30th so that the next, you know, the new president of Mexico has it already in place when he takes over. Um, suddenly, Mexico now recently has been saying, um, we're prepared to go without Canada. And that's really, that's really put some, I think, leverage on Canada to get to the table. And they've been at the table. And they've been sending all the right signals, too, by the way. They've, they've seemed to be negotiating good faith. In fact, today, the discussion is on, specifically on Canada's, what I think are unfair dairy provisions. And um, you know that for a while that was not even that wasn't even on the table because they weren't going to talk about it. Well, now they're feeling the need to talk about it. So I think it's going pretty well, and hopefully, you know, it could be any minute or it could be any day. Um, but I would think, you know, this month sometime we'd have a deal with Canada and Mexico. Don asks uh, from Twitter: uh, When people try to compare your lead in polls to 2012, does the hidden reference to your campaign versus the Berg campaign give you confidence? Um, I guess I don't really know. Uh, I, I don't compare the two much, no. to be honest. I, I would tell you this, that the lesson of that election, you know, is never lost on me. I mean, no poll numbers are good enough, um, public or internal or otherwise. And and it's even more true, um, Rob, in a, in a midterm election where d- turnout, you know, isn't driven by just the natural force of a presidential election. Turnout is always lower in a midterm. This has got presidential feel to it in a way because President Trump has been so active in the campaigns throughout the country. But um, that's why what I meant when I said earlier, it's going to probably come down to who turns out their voters. Um, And 
Democrats in a non-presidential year seem to vote in higher percentage than Republicans do. And certainly that's true in North Dakota. If you look at our legislative races throughout the decades, uh, the Republican turnout is is much lower in non-presidential years than presidential years, whereas Democratic turnout tends to be sort of the same or pretty close to the same. So to be honest, uh, there are some similarities, but um, – um, but they're 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 very different. Here's the other thing that's different about 2012. In 2012, Rick Berg was a congressman, and the seat was open. And so Senator Heitkamp, who had no legislative record at all, and Rick, who had a long legislative record in the state legislature and, of course, his short time in the House of Representatives at the time, probably was more of a target. In this particular case, you have two candidates who who have the you know the exact same number of legislative days and legislative uh, opportunities. Um, representing North Dakota, and in many cases, many of the very same bills that we voted on. So the, so the, there's a little more of a scorecard, if you will, in the form of an actual voting record that the voters get to, to uh, comparison. Caller, Charles, you're on with uh, the congressman. What's up? Hey, Kevin, how are you? Hi, Charles. Good. We've got to beat Heidi. I've seen these ads. It's just so, it's so, uh, uh, I don't know. To see that the border patrol guy allegedly agrees that mm-hmm. he's the right choice, there's nothing right choice about her, and we've got to get that message out that mm-hmm. she is she is for open borders, she is for everything that the Democrats want. They want total chaos, they want total law lawlessness, and to portray herself as some conservative. I haven't seen anything that she's proposed since she's been a senator. It benefits this country, and I just want to make sure, you know, I'm fully 150% support you, Kevin, and we've got to get this job done, and we've got to rile the forces out here to get out and vote. Yeah, no, I pr- appreciate that, Charles. I-, I do think, you know, you, since you raised the issue of the Border Patrol ad, um, one of the things that we've learned, of course, is that that ad is a national it's her ad of course it's her disclaimer her campaign's paying for it the the spokesperson is from the national union the the north dakota union did not support her they they did not um endorse in this race and so there's there's some confusion about that and that's probably probably by design but i'll tell you again even going back I, I, we have this opportunity here where um you know we have a pretty clean clear voting records that you get to compare side by side. And I think when, when that gets fleshed out, you'll see uh, the difference. But here's the bigger issue, Charles. And, and that is, I shouldn't say bigger issue, but, but an additional issue. If people are confused about which one of us, you know, supports the border, you know, more than the other person or which person supports law enforcement more than the other person, or they're confused about who supports you know, water projects or military or, you know, strong immigration reform, all of those things. If there's any confusion about any or all of those things, the one thing that conservatives ought to remember is, is that this, the, the 280,000 or so North Dakotans may be the people that decide whether Donald Trump will pick the next Supreme Court nominee or Chuck Schumer will. They get to decide whether, um, you know, whether, just imagine this, if, if Democrats take control of the United States Senate, the chairman of the budget committee, it will be Bernie Sanders. So when you take that and, and apply it, and there's a whole bunch of other similar situations, circumstances you can apply, um, you know, North Dakotans are pretty patriotic, and I don't think they want to be the ones responsible for putting Bernie Sanders in the, the 
as chairman of the Budget Committee, an avowed socialist as chairman of the Budget Committee of the United States Senate. So you, you can like both Senator Heitkamp and me. Um, you can like the way we interact with you or with, with each other, for that matter. Um, you can wonder which one you know Donald Trump likes more than the other, whatever it is that seems confusing. Um, at the end of the day, controlling the United States Senate is a really, really big issue that's in the hands of North Dakotans. I want to burn through some of these questions on Facebook real quick because sure. we're uh, running short on time. Sure. Eric asks, I heard that he was campaigning in Texas and avoided uh, Heidi Heitkamp's invite to a debate. <laughs> Why was he in Texas raising money and not here debating? Well, first of all, I'm not under any obligation to accept Heidi Heitkamp's invitations to do anything. She's been invited to be on this radio show every week for for months. Um, I've, I do 200 talk radio shows a year in North Dakota on North Dakota Talk Radio. I've done many, many town halls, in-person town halls. So I don't know that she's ever done one. Um, my, I don't have to apologize for my accessibility to the public. I, I know she wants me to make her more accessible in the last couple of months of the campaign. Um, she should have thought of that six years ago when she went into hiatus for you know for five and a half years. Um, it's not my job to make her more accessible. Um, I, I talk to farmers every day, all day, in, in many cases, and uh, I'm not under any obligation except her invitations. Uh, Trent asks, what will Kevin do to make judicial nominations at all levels more civil as opposed to this grade school fight? Yeah, it's a great question. It's really disturbing. I'm, I'm surprised, frankly, that Senator Heitkamp or nor any other Democrat in the United States Senate has spoken out against what, what her leader um, really facilitated in this recent riot, really, not even a protest, but facilitated by United States senators in the Democratic caucus. Um well, I think we just have to return to to civility and, and to order and at least to, to reasonable demeanor in, in a committee hearing and, and in the process. I mean, Brett Kavanaugh, I don't know how anybody can protest his qualifications to be on the court. You can disagree with maybe previous decisions he's made, although I don't know how North Dakotan could. If you look at his his judicial record and his opinions, they are so pro-North Dakota. It's, it's as though he wrote them for North Dakota. So... Um, we just have to restore that. And I think one way you do it is get rid of Chuck Schumer. Yeah. Well, uh, Kevin, that's all the time we got for today. Certainly appreciate your time. Always my pleasure. Thanks, Rob. Bye-bye. Uh, it'll be a Thursday again next week, 1.30 for the open phone segment. Uh, we'll be right back, finish up the show after this. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDYAM, 93.1 FM. Local way. Report 970 WDYM 93.1 FM. We uh, just finished it up with uh, Congressman Kramer, and uh, like I said, Thursday next week will be the uh, open phone segment. Uh, and we did we didn't get at all the questions for Facebook and that. I um, I try to. It's just hard because I want to give him time to answer his question in full. I want to give the callers time uh, to ask their questions in full, and there's just only so much time. Uh, I do think he made a good point because he did get the question about you know the the debates with Senator Heitkamp. Um, I think they have an appropriate number of debates scheduled. Um, I think his point, though, about, you know, why why is it incumbent upon him to make Senator Heitkamp accessible, um, you know, in the last months of the election? Uh, she has been inaccessible largely for five and a half years. She's been flying under the radar for a long time. Um, she ignores, you know, requests to go on, you know, people, their critics. She'll go on with her brother all the time. I mean, you know, she'll, she'll use her brother's show that way. Uh, but you won't go to anybody else. I, and, you know, I, I think that's a valid point. I, and I understand what the Democrats are trying to do. 
Senator uh, Congressman Kramer's accessibility is a strength, right? I mean, it's something he's been he's worked on, you know, quite a bit. Uh, he is extremely accessible. I, I think even you talk to most reporters, even even the people in the media who aren't inclined to like Congressman Kramer have like his phone number and they know they could like text him or whatever they need to. I mean, that's just a level of accessibility that he provides. It's a real thing. It's not the only thing. I mean, if you don't like his policy or whatever, then maybe that doesn't matter to you. But he is accessible. Senator Heikamp has not been. But a strategy of the Democrats this election cycle has been to try to just audaciously. um, I think the term for it is sort of audacious hypocrisy. Right. I mean, it's in 2016, they campaigned against, you know, Donald Trump. He was terrible. He was unfit for office. He was vile. He was horrible. Those are all words that the North Dakota Democratic Party used about Donald Trump in 2016. Uh, in 2018, the party is bragging about, you know, they're trying to suggest that that Donald Trump likes Heidi Heitkamp more than he likes Kevin Kramer. Um, you know, they're, they're bragging about how Senator Heitkamp got to stand next to him at a bill signing ceremony. Her campaign messaging is bragging about how she votes with him more than 50 percent of the time. It's an audacious sort of hypocrisy. This man who uh, Senator Heitkamp's brother earlier this week is tweeting out that the guy's a racist, that his response to hurricanes depends on the race of the victims. That's the Senator brothers yesterday. Meanwhile, though, she's out there campaigning. Saying, oh, I vote with him 50 percent of the time. Right, she's got a Trump voter in her her in her in her uh, campaign ad, and so I mean you have that, and now like this accessibility thing, where Senator Heitkamp's just going to ignore the fact that she's been blowing off interview requests from myself and others uh, for for most of her term, won't respond to us, uh, but now all of a sudden she's going to accuse Congressman Kramer of being inaccessible. You got it, my. What she's hoping is that you're stupid and you haven't been paying attention and you don't really know that they're lying. All right, that's it for me today. Jay Thomas Show straight ahead. You can always catch me here 12 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sendingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We will talk again. Stop looking me in.